Come on, come on now. Oh, come on now. Good morning, Watts Bar. A little, little quiz for you. Uh, anybody know the band that released that song? All right, here, here's a step two. What album was that off of? Uh, here's some of Joshua Tree. Yeah, Joshua Tree. Uh, it was one of the top-selling albums of all time. Uh, incredible album. And if you've never seen the band live, uh, incredible uh, in concert. This, this album, Joshua Tree, sold more than 25 million copies. Uh, in fact, Rolling Stone says this. He said, uh, Rolling Stone magazine says, I still haven't what I found what I'm looking for. It's considered by music critics to be one of the greatest songs of all time. Here's what Bono said about this song in an interview with Rolling Stone. This song was an anthem of, uh, of doubt more than faith. He went on to say this. The music that really turns me on is either running toward God or away from God. That last verse that uh, Bob sang, I believe in the kingdom come. All the colors will bleed into one. But yet I'm still running. He goes on, you broke the bonds, you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Here, here's what's sad to me about the song. Bono says, the truth is right in front of me. I've even experienced it. Yet, it's not enough. It's, it's not enough. I, 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 I've got to keep looking. And, and what's going on here within him and what's going on in our culture today is a war on truth. The truth is right here. He says, I believe it. Yet, this is not the truth I want. So he keeps searching. And I think that's what's going on today. There are so many people. Let me pull up my regular notes. So many people and things, people saying this is the truth or this is the truth, that's the truth. And we've allowed those voices to cloud or distort the only truth that really matters. God's truth. The, the, the culture that we're living in, if they don't like the truth, they make up their own truth. I need you to stay with me, guys. They make up their own truth, and they go along with whatever fits into their lifestyle or the way they believe. Scholar and Pastor Legion Duncan said this, if you'll pull this up. There is a God we want, and there is a God who is, and the two are not the same. Let that sink in. There's a God we want, and there's the God who is. The two are not the same. If you got a Bible, uh, turn me to Daniel chapter 1. If not, we're going to bring it up on the Sky Bible for you. But let me give you a little backstory to what we're going to jump into. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar was king at this time. And to say that this guy was evil would be an understatement. He was an evil king. He went in and destroyed the entire city of Jerusalem. I mean, pretty much burn it to the ground. And then on top of that, he sent his men inside their sacred temples, their places of worship, took all their religious symbols, everything that represented the one true God, burned them up. 
And then if that wasn't enough, he said, I want you to get the best and the brightest of their young men and bring them to me. For three years, we're going to teach our teachings. We're, we're going to indoctrinate them in how the Babylonians live, how we live, how things are going on. And, and the men that they chose, get this, they would have been future leaders of Israel. So not only did King Nebuchadnezzar want to steal their, their present, but he wanted to steal their future because he wanted them to become future leaders in the Babylonian Empire. That's where we're going to pick up the story. Daniel chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Then the king, Nebuchadnezzar, ordered Aspenath, chief of his court official, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Casey, okay, we, we would have been... Um, we would have been taken right away. Um, <laughs> you are laughing too hard at that joke. Well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. Verse 5. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, enter the king's service. King Nebuchadnezzar's strategy was very intentional. If you got notes, I highly encourage you to take notes today because the strategies that King Nebuchadnezzar used against these Hebrew children is the same strategy the enemy is using today. And it's this, what he wants, here's the strategical moves. Think like us, behave like us, believe like us. Here's what we want to do. We're pulling you out, and we want to indoctrinate you. Take three years to make you think like us, behave like us, and believe like us. Can I tell you, his, the enemy's strategy has not changed very much at all. And why would he change it? It's working. It's working. I mean, it... it our culture is teaching us to think like they do, behave like they do, and believe like they do. And now he has the perfect platform. He has got TV. He's got social media. He, he's got uh, the news outlets, reality TV, and his entire plan is linked to this. If I can get these people to disregard what God says, to disregard what the one true God says and bind to my lies and surrender to the culture, then I will have won this war. See, there's a full-on spiritual attack against the people you do life with every day, against the people you work with every day, your household, people you go to school with every day. There is a full-on spiritual attack against us. Are you hearing me? Satan is in full attack mode with his lies, his deceit, and his luring. Listen, what he doesn't do is try to lure people away with a new religion. He wants to make things a little more palatable for us. Still believe in God, but come on, not everything the Bible says. Not the complete truth. 
Let's, let's make it more uh, tasty, more palatable. And, and truth has been traded in for the motto of the day, whatever. What do you mean? Believe whatever you want. Do whatever seems best for you. Live for whatever brings you pleasure. Be tolerant of somebody else's whatever. Man, when I was praying this morning, and Dee calls me every Sunday morning to pray with me and then our team, I was like, God, I know this is going to be a tough message. My prayer is that you hear God's heart through this because I believe there's so much deceit going on in our world, and we don't even know it's happening to us. People are living well below God's best for their lives, all because they're buying into the enemy's lies. We're going to come back to the story there in Daniel, uh, but right now I want to go to John chapter 18 in the New Testament. Uh, the night Jesus was arrested, he appeared before Pilate, or, or was yeah, appeared, and, and Pilate looks at Jesus and says this in John eighteen thirty five: Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? And Jesus goes into this, hey, my kingdom is not of this world, uh, it's from another place. And Pilate says to Jesus, so you're a king then. And here's what Jesus says to Pilate, John 18, 37. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to what? Testify to what? Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, listens to me. Pilate's next words are very revealing. Verse 38, what is truth? What is truth? And then get this. Pilate didn't even stay around for Jesus to answer him. He's right in front of the truth that could give him and tell him what the truth is. But Pilate says, what is truth? And then walks away. And I think that's what's happening a lot in our world today. We say we want truth, but then we walk away before we hear the truth. Why? Because I think we, don't, we won't like the truth. Are you still with me, guys? In 2016, Oxford English Dictionary, they do a word of the year every year. And in 2016, their word of the year was a combination of two words, post-truth. Don't bring that up quite yet. Here's what uh, some, uh, some dictionary says. Post-truth, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Another dictionary defines it like this. Post-truth is a philosophical and political concept for the disappearance of objective standards for truth and the circuitous slippage of facts. Here's what Cambridge says. They nail it. Bring that up. Post-truth. Relating to a situation in which people are more likely to accept an argument based on their emotions, their beliefs, rather than based on facts. That's the world we're living in. Post-truth. When I say we are in the middle of a war on truth, it is vital that you understand, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, um, I'm not saying that we are in a war with anyone that disagrees with what we say. I'm not saying, we are not in a war with people. Are you hearing me? 
We're not in, but we are in a war with the enemy's distortion of what God has declared is the truth. Our vision statement, our motto here at the church is we love people, uh, we, we love God, we love people, and we serve others. And we love people, period. I don't care what they believe. I don't care what their background is. I don't care what their ethnicity is. I don't, listen, we, we say this, you don't have to believe like we believe to belong here. What, what do you mean? Because my hope is you'll plug in here and the Spirit of God will begin to work in your life. Because I can't convince you of anything. You know, me and Casey were talking about this. I've never saw two people arguing and one of them walk away and say, you know what? You are right. I'm wrong. I agree with you. I've never seen it happen on Facebook. Why do we feel the need to post our opinion on somebody else's page? Listen, the word of the Lord. Stop it. Stop it. You're never, because you can't, unless you have relationship with them, they don't care what you think or say. Let's move on because that was, I can tell that went over real well. Thank you. We are not at war with people. We are at war with uh, the enemy's distortion. Paul gives us a great description of, of the war we're in. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 says this. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of the human reasoning and to destroy what? False arguments. Look at verse 5. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. In a culture, in a society where truth is getting ignored or twisted, we, as followers of Jesus, we are called to stand defiant, but not just defiant, humbly and lovingly pronouncing the truth because we know we believe what john 8 32 says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and it's hard for people to get to know the truth when standing between them and the truth is some self-righteous jerk are you hearing me I said this on a podcast where me and my wife were interviewed. Here, here's the truth. If this offends you, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Hey, there are a-hoes even in church. I've been one. You've been one. Come on. But we are family. Let's uh, something I thought it was good. I love the way the I love the way the passion paraphrases John eight thirty two. For if you embrace the truth, embrace it, it will release true freedom into your lives. Not just say I believe it, but embrace it. I love look what the psalmist says in, in Psalms twenty five five. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, my Savior, my hope is in you all day long. And then Psalms eighty six eleven. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to what your truth. That, get this: the Hebrew word there for truth is emeth. 
E-M-M-E-T. But here's what it means. It means more than just truth. It means truth in a very specific way. Here's what one theologian said about that word. The word itself has a structure that makes it mean more than just a truth or this or that truth. Emeth means the whole truth. Beginning, the middle, and the end. The next part really fascinates me. The first letter of the Hebrew alphabet that represents the number one is also the first letter of Emeth. Get this. But when that letter is removed or taken away from Emeth, you only have Meth remains, which is Hebrew for death. And he says, here's the point. You take away God from truth. All you get is death. Isn't that what our culture is doing? Taking away God from the real truth. We've been, it's been doing it over the past few years, taking God out of the equation and leaving us with death, leaving us with, I believe, the biggest identity crisis this nation has ever seen. People don't know who they are, what they are, where they come from, and it is a huge identity crisis because they've separated God from truth, and it brings death. You want to build a rock-solid faith and foundation? You must do it on God's truth. You want to have a faith that doesn't bend or break when storms hit? You got to build it on God's truth. See, winds of culture, they're going to change. Uh, the, the tide of public opinion is going to change. Cancel culture, it's eventually going to cancel itself out. I mean, it will. It won't be this way forever. Because it changes. Uh, the, the waves of conventional wisdom, all those things completely unreliable. Truth, though, it lasts. It gives you confidence and security, and it enables you to go the distance. So I want to give you five truths about truth. Five truths about truth. The first one is this. Truth originates with God. Jesus wasn't 50% grace and 50% truth. Jesus was 100% grace and truth. Look what John said about Jesus in John 1.14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Then Jesus says this about himself in John 14. Jesus says, hey, I am the way, the truth, the truth. I am the way and what? And the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Truth doesn't originate with you and I. Come on. Truth doesn't originate with what popular opinion says. It originates with God. In 2017, pastor and theologian John MacArthur wrote an article entitled, No God, No Truth. No God, No Truth. Look what he says. It's very powerful. The way people think about truth is being totally revamped. And the vocabulary of human knowledge completely redefined. The end game, clearly, is to usher every notion of truth into oblivion. He goes on to say this. The goal of human philosophy used to be truth without God. 
Today's philosophies, philosophies are open to the notion of God without truth or to be more accurate, personal spirituality in which everyone is free to create his or her own God. And then lastly, he says this. Personal gods pose no threat to sinful self-will because they suit each sinner's personal preferences anyway, and they make no demands on anyone else. Man, this is what the apostle Paul said. He's talking about in Romans, Romans 1, 21, 22. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him or God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. 22, although they claimed to be wise, they came, became fools. Then look at this, verse 28, jump down to it. Because those people refused to keep in mind the true knowledge about God. He has given them over to corrupted minds so that they do the things they should not. Truth doesn't get determined by popular opinion. Are you hearing me? Truth doesn't uh, make itself known by a survey we give out. Truth doesn't come from a, oh, this is going to hit some of you hard. Truth doesn't come from a certain political party. Truth doesn't come from a certain news outlet. Truth originates with God, period. Period. God is the author, the source, and the originator of all truth. The war against truth, it began way back in the beginning in Genesis. You remember when Satan, when the, when the snake showed up and, and, and began to, to get Eve to question what God said to her, the truth he gave to her? He said, did God really say this? And that's what he's saying to a lot of people. Today. Did God really say that? Did he mean it for this? I mean, that was thousands of years ago. Did he really mean it today? And he's getting us to question the truth. And the reason the enemy is so relentless when it comes to truth, because he knows that truth originates with God. And if he can undermine truth, he can create confusion about who God is, what his plans and purpose are for your life. It originates with God. Secondly, truth is absolute. You heard the saying, three sides to every story, yours, mine, and the truth. When it comes to truth, there is no, you have your truth, I have mine truth. No, there's your opinion, my opinion, and then there's only one truth, the truth. Let's go a little deeper. Truth is not what I want it to be. Truth isn't what I think it should be. That doesn't make it true just because I want it to be that way or think it should be that way. It's not what I wish it would be. I could stand up here all day and say, hey, hey, two plus two equals five. I might convince one or two of you after a while, and then I start to be really mean. No, no, I'm not going to do it. But here's the fact. How many know it doesn't matter how much I say it, how strongly I say it, how confident I say it, it does not make it true. Are you hearing me? Two plus two is what? Some of y'all. It's four. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't bend to our druthers. 
Well, I'd rather it be five. So I'm going to say two plus two is five. Well, you're, you're wrong, and you will fail. Because you decide, I won't make this true. Well, that's not true. That may be your opinion, and let's be honest, it's a stupid opinion. And it shows your ignorance. Let's get back to it. Let me give you a couple of facts about truth. Truth doesn't always feel good. Let's say our resident um, physician, English Roberts here. She, she had a patient that had a life-threatening illness or disease. And she's like, you know what? I don't want to tell them because I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them feel good about themselves. Well, I, so I, I'm just not going to tell them the truth. Would that be compassionate of her? No, it'd be cruel. It'd be cruel. Because even though it's hurtful, they need to know the truth about what's going on in their life. The same is with us and God's truth. It doesn't always feel good, but it is something we need to get into us and understand. Second thing you need to understand, truth doesn't get decided by the majority. Let me explain this. Uh, how many believe that a woman should have, boy, I, 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 I was stopping here. How many believe a woman should have a right to vote? So let me say, I got my hand up in there. Some of y'all don't even believe it. Some of you women don't even believe it. <laughs> vote, what's that? What's that mean? How many, how many believe a woman should have a right to vote? How many believe slavery should not exist at all? Come on. Absolutely. But, but how many, how, here's the thing when it, when it comes to, do you know that in some countries and, and in some places of the world uh, that, that women are still, they have little to no rights in those countries? But we believe they should have those rights. Do you realize that in other parts of the country, slavery is still a thing? But we believe, hey, you shouldn't. So does that make us more superior, more morally superior? Because we live in a country that believes women and all people are equal. Is the equality of men and women something that is true just because the majority of the people in the country believe it? Or is it, is it true because long before the majority of the people in this country believed it, God established it in places like Galatians 3 where he said, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, male, female, slave or free. We are all one. Truth isn't decided by a majority. Truth is absolute regardless of what the majority of the popular vote believes. It's truth. Here's what St. Augustine said. If you believe what you like about the gospel and reject what you don't like, it is not the gospel you believe in but yourself. Just let it lay there for a minute. See, my thing is that doesn't just describe the world we live in. It describes a lot of followers of Jesus. Third thing, let's, let's hurry up through this. Truth is objective. In other words, truth isn't 
are determined by my feelings, my preferences, my intuition. It is definitive. Truth is impartial. It is unbiased. It is unprejudiced. Truth speaks to all people. Truth never caters to the crowd. Truth doesn't say one thing to this person, but something else to another person. It is objective, which, which is the opposite of subjective. Let, let, me, let me ask a question. Participate, please. How many would say... You believe country music is the greatest music in the world. Hands up. Hey, I love country music. How many would say, I believe rock and roll is the greatest music, especially the 80s? Oh, hey, I don't care what you say. 80s was the best years of rock and roll. Then it got destroyed in 90 by the Seattle scene. Hey, hey. That's my truth. How many believes gospel, Christian music, is the best music in the world? Hands up. See, whether you said, whether you said country, rock, 80s, Christian, those are all subjective statements. It means it's your opinion. It's not truth. It's your opinion. There's no way you can measure those statements against reality because they're subjective statements. It's not my truth. It's not your truth. It's my opinion and your opinion. However, if I were to get up here and say, hey, I've got a 2008 Jeep Wrangler four-door. That is objective. It's truth because I can take you and show you, hey, this is my vehicle. I can show you a title. This is mine. It's truth. It's truth. You see, you, you can try to distort the truth, redefine it, but truth is objective. Flannery O'Connor said this, truth doesn't change according to my ability to stomach it emotionally. Mm, man, that's good. I was expecting a lot more hallelujahs and amens. No. The fourth truth about truth is this. Truth doesn't change. Remember what Jesus said in, in, in Hebrews 13. Um, he, or in, Jesus said this, said, I'm the way, the truth. We read this a while ago, right? I'm the way and the truth and the lie, right? Well, in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Jesus is the truth, we can literally quote that verse like this. Truth is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why? Because truth doesn't change. Culture changes, popular opinion changes, news changes, the weather changes, but truth doesn't change. Truth is, isn't outdated or obsolete. Are you with me? Truth doesn't expire like food does. Some of y'all like, it expires? You've got canned beans from like 2008 in there in your... Truth is permanent. It's established. Here's what Isaiah said in, in Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God, the truth of our God, stands forever. Psalmist said it like this in 119.89. Your eternal word, God, your truth stands firm in the heaven. The fifth truth, final truth about truth. Truth matters. It does, doesn't just demand our attention. It demands action. See, the thing about truth, we can live our life like we, we I, I just don't get it. We can act like we don't understand it. 
We can try to ignore it long enough and hope it just goes away. We can live in denial, but at the end of the day, truth demands our attention and action from us. To not give it attention, to not give it action, and then be act upon it, we, if we do that, we will never thrive in the life God has for us. Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, truth has power. It has power. Truth, do you know this? Truth carries freedom with it, according to what Jesus says. Truth carries freedom with it, but only if you lay down your opinions, your druthers, and embrace his truth. So if you refuse to let go of what you think is right and wrong, if you refuse to let go of your opinion or what the way you think it should be, you will never, according to Jesus, you will never walk in true freedom. I, as your pastor, I want you to walk in freedom. And listen, I'm not just talking about the addicts that we minister to here every week. I'm not just talking about to the LGBTQ community that we minister to here every week. I'm talking about I want you to walk in freedom over your health. Over your health. I want you to walk in freedom in your finances. I don't want you to have the mindset, well, this is the way it was for mom and dad. They live paycheck to paycheck, so I'm going to. Not if you surrender that to God and begin to walk in his freedom. I want you to, I want you to walk in freedom emotionally. I want you to be able to let go of a lot of that, all that baggage. Because some of you, you come in every week and you're carrying baggage with you. It's as real as that purse you put on your shoulder. It's as real as that chair you sit in. The problem is, I want you to bring the baggage in here. But the problem is, you get up, you pick it up, and take it back out the door with you. That's not even in my notes. That's free. I want you to walk in freedom. Can I be honest with you? There are some truths that I just don't like. I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't like the truth that I can't eat just anything I want to anymore. I hate that truth. I despise it. Honestly, I couldn't tell you how much I hate it. I'm being honest. But, but things have changed in my body. If I eat pizza, my wife will tell you, it messes with me. And not in a good way. If I eat certain things, it may, and I've had to learn, you know what, that looks good. But the truth is, if I eat that, it's going to make me sick. It's going to put my healing back a few steps. And that's the thing is, we got to start learning walking through life. Hey, hey, that, I remember, man, when I used to do that. Oh, that was so good. But, oh, no, no, no. Let me get back. The truth is, if I do that again, that's going to open the door for me to go back down that cycle. There's some truths I don't like, but that doesn't mean they're not true. I, let's go. Let's move on because I got I got to close this out. Let's get back to where we started, Daniel. Daniel chapter one, 
verses 6 and 7. Remember, they've gone in, they've taken in these, these people, uh, and these young men, after they've uh, destroyed Jerusalem. And here's going to tell us who were among them. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official, get this, gave them, gave them new names. I'm going to change their identity. I'm going to begin to tell them there's somebody else. To Daniel, he gave the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, he gave the name Shadrach. To Mishael, he gave the name Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. So not only do they want to change the way they think, behave, and believe, I want to change your identity, who you think you are. Tell me that's not going on today. I'm going to tell you that you're this way or that way or you're this kind of person here until you actually begin to believe it. Why the name change? Well, let me give you a little context. Most Bible scholars say uh, that these boys were somewhere between 12 to 15 years of age. And we're talking middle schoolers, freshmen in high school. They're stripped of their identity. They're taken a thousand miles away from their home. And the first thing the king wants to do is change their name. Why? Get this, because their original names were all tied to Yahweh, the one true God. Daniel meant God is my judge. Hananiah, Yahweh is gracious. Michelle, who is like God. Azariah, whom the Lord helps. And they gave them new names. And here's what their new names were tied to pagan gods. Daniel, Belshazzar, Bel's prince. Hananiah was Shadrach, commander of Aku, which was a Babylonian god of the moon. Mishael, which went to Meshach. Scholars say it was the name of a child, Chaldean god. Azariah, Bednego, meant servant of Nego, another god. So every time they were called by their new name, it was a reminder to them, you're ours now. You serve our gods now. You think like we think now. Your God didn't save you when you cried out, so now you're ours now. They changed their name, and then what do they do? Anybody remember what else they changed? Their diet. Their diet. They want them to, they want to force them to eat food from the king's table. Now, well, PK, if I'm being honest, that doesn't sound too bad to me. I mean... Food from the king's table has got to be some good eating. And here's the problem, though. The food prepared for the king, the meat, the wine, it all had been dedicated to pagan gods. And the problem for Daniel and the others was, hey, we want to honor God in every facet of our life. And and to eat or drink anything offered to a false god or pagan god, that would not be honoring to God. The next verse, I think, is the key to holding on to God's truth. Daniel 1.8. But Daniel, say that. What word? Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. The message reads this. Daniel determined that he would not defile himself. You want to make a stand on the war on truth? 
The first thing you got to do is make a predetermined decision. Don't let yourself get in the heat of the moment. No, I already make that decision. No, this is God's truth right now. And I'm going to make a predetermined decision no matter what comes. I've already made the decision to stand in truth. How does that, what is that? This is not even my notes. I'm, I'm going to stray a little bit. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. You've lived your life for yourself. Pretty much had sex, lived life however you want outside of marriage, didn't matter. But then you surrender your life to Christ. And you say, I want to I renew my life. I, I, I want to begin to live by God's truth. You don't wait to make that decision when you're at home alone with this person. You make it predetermined. You know what? From now on, I'm going to honor God with my body. I'm going to honor God with my life. And if this is what his word says, I'm going to believe that. And I'm not going to put myself in any situation that would f- cause me to fall back into that. I tell addicts when I counsel with them all the time, hey, hey, wipe out your friends list. Because there's going to be a time when you think you've been clean long enough that you can handle going back to those places. And you've got to make a predetermined, you know what? I'm not going to dial this number. I'm not going to text this number. I'm not going to step foot back in that house. Because when I do, all the memories flood back. You can't wait until you're just in them. And then right there before you see some lines. Right before you sit the bowl of pills, you make predetermined decisions. You predetermine that the truth you're standing on is the truth. See, before they try to get them to talk like them, uh, walk like them, think and behave like them, before they'd even change their name, Daniel and the others made a decision. This culture's truth will not dictate what I know is true. Let's be honest. Daniel could have rationalized this when they said, we want want you to eat from the king's table. I mean, he could have made it spiritual. Well, obviously, God has given us favor. We've been taken prisoners, but now we get to eat at the king's table. Let's go, boys. Let's see. I mean, come on. Don't we? Obviously, it's God's will. He could have been like, you know what, guys? I'm hungry. Let's just eat this once. God will forgive us. God will show us grace. Hey, look, the other Jews are eating it. This is just the way I'm wired. I'm wired to like fried chicken. I get it. I get it. I'm wired to like pizza. But I also understand the truth. That if I fall into that, One, I'm not honoring God with my body. And one, I'm being an idiot because I know what that's going to do to me. Daniel and the others predetermined. They resolved in their heart. No matter what this culture I'm living in says is okay, I know what God's word says. 
And truth, that truth matters to me more than anything else. You resolve it in your heart. I don't care what culture says about sex. I don't care what this culture says about going out and partying. I don't care what this culture shows me on social media. I don't care what this influencer is saying. I've resolved in my heart that those things, the lies that the enemy is trying to bring at me, those are being used to distort. And I will not bow to those things. Let's finish this thing out. Seriously. I know what some well, you said that a while ago. So what do we do, PK? Let's quickly hit this. One, you reject the lies. Reject them. I felt so strongly about this message. And this word for our church and our people and the community in this church. See, it's bad enough that the world is buying into all these false philosophies and this watered-down religion and gospel that we're preaching. But what is worse is that people in the church, followers of Jesus, are buying into this false truth. Colossians 2.8 says this, Beware that no one distracts you or intimidates you in their attempt to lead you away from Christ's fullness by pretending to be full of wisdom when they're filled with endless arguments of human logic. And get this, for they operate with humanistic and clouded judgments based on the mindset of this world system and not the anointed truths of the anointed one. Reject the lies. The last thing you got to do, build your life on truth. Building your life on truth involves what we talked about last week. Growing that relationship. Time in God's word. Prayer consists of church attendance. attendance, Confession, repentance, serving, giving, baptism, sharing Jesus. Those things will not only grow your personal relationship with Jesus, but they will build your life on the truth. Jill Daggett posted this this past week. I think it was her. Said this, if your God lets you do what you want, then your God is you. Remember what Legion Duncan said. There's a God we want, and there's a God who is, and the two are not the same. Stand with me. The Apostle Paul is coming to the 